Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we're getting you ready for Eagles-Cowboys as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 415. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my buddy C-Mac. Chris McPherson is here to take a look at the latest goings-on with the 5-0 Eagles going into Sunday night's matchup against the 4-1 Cowboys. What are the biggest things to discuss regarding this team right now? C-Mac and I get into it right at the top of the show. After that, we've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennell and I take a look at this matchup against Micah Parsons, Zeke Elliott, and the rest of that Dallas squad, and how we discuss them in our show, Eagles Game Plan, that we produce on a weekly basis for Eagles Entertainment, all with the goal of getting you ready for Sunday night's matchup. Then, to close out the show, we've got Faux Focus. I chat with a guy who knows Dallas inside and out. That's Bob Sturm. You can check out his work over at The Athletic and for 96.7 down in the DFW covering the Cowboys. We'll dive a little bit deeper into this matchup with Bob and get their point of view going into Sunday night football. Now, before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts. If you've got a question about this team, if you have anything you want to comment on, or if you just want to know something, look, the bye week, like I said, is just a week away now from for this Eagles team. If you have a question, leave it on there in the comment box. We'll answer it here in an upcoming episode. Also, be sure to go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Uh, We've got Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on this week on the back end, getting you ready for what's going to be a great slate of college games this uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, Ben Fennell, Ross Tucker as well, joining the show to help get you ready for the week that is coming here in college football. So uh, with that said, let's get this one rolling. We've got a lot to get to. We're going to start things off with three and out and Chris McPherson. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, well, let's kick the show off here with three and out. Let's say welcome in C-Mac, Chris McPherson, to uh, take us through the three biggest topics surrounding this team going into a huge matchup. 5-0 and versus 4-1 Sunday Night Football. Eagles-Cowboys, baby. Let's get it. The, the recipe is here for this to be like a very classic game in the rivalry. Oh uh, so, obviously, uh, we hope this plays out uh, in that way. I'm excited for a good game I don't, don't want to go night. too far down memory lane. We could do a whole podcast on yes. that. And in fact, you can listen to Return Game and hear all about the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry. So, I'm going to start with this. Who is going to be the player of the week for the Eagles? Right. Five for five on the season. And the one thing that's interesting is, okay, we've had two on special teams, three on defense. I know Jalen Hurts was the offensive player of the month, but we haven't had a weekly award winner on that side of the football. And I think that's just a fascinating matchup. And that's really what I want to start with here. You know, it's amazing when you talk about the Cowboys even a year ago, I would say, you still thought Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and all the weapons on the offensive side of the ball, this is going to be an offensive juggernaut. Who's going to stop the Cowboys' offense? It's quickly turned a tide. It's now that this defense is one of the league's best units, and it's, you know, they have not allowed more than 19 points in a game this season. And the resume of teams, look, they, they played – both of the Super Bowl participants from last year, the Ra- defending champion Rams last week, the Bengals, the Buccaneers, no one has scored more than 19 points on them. So if you just look at the numbers, just from the stat standpoint, they're second in sacks, third in takeaways, and seventh in yards allowed. Now you look at the advanced metrics, pro football focus, 
third best graded defense in the league, tops in pass rush, football outsiders, DVOA, they're sixth in the league on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to start with the pass rush here. And the Eagles, we talk about like how often do the Eagles blitz this season. The Cowboys blitz against the pass less frequently than the Eagles do. Okay, They rely on the front four yep. to be able to get after there. And if you have the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week in Micah Parsons, certainly makes sense. But it's not just about Micah Parsons. Look at the rest of the town on the defensive line. Tank Lawrence, we forget about Tank Lawrence. Tank Lawrence has become like an afterthought, and this is a guy who's a two-time Pro Bowl selection. You have Dante Fowler, a former first-round pick in there. And then you have Dorrance Armstrong, who was outstanding last Sunday against the Rams. And one, one of your favorites from a pronunciation standpoint, Ozzy Zigwadua, okay, also along the defensive line. So they have the ability to come at you in waves, much like the Eagles do. Interesting with Parsons is that last year it was sort of like they were trying to figure out where he fit into the defense. It was like, okay, is he a linebacker, off-ball linebacker? Is he an edge rusher? They pretty much focused putting him on the line this yep. year, playing much more frequently along the line of scrimmage. When you're looking at the matchup here, it's they have not faced a team like the Eagles who have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who can hurt you with the legs as well as the arm. And if you look at the rushing attacks that the, the Cowboys have faced this season, okay, the Rams are one of the worst teams in, in all football there. It's their 32nd. The Bucks are 31st. Uh, the Commanders, you know, the bottom five yep. or six in the league. The only good team, good running team that the Cowboys have faced this year has been the Giants. They rushed for 167 yards. Okay, they were able to get attack them on the ground. So as much as we want to see A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, I'm interested to see what Miles Sanders can do. And he's also had success in the receiving game against the Cowboys in the past. Dallas Goddard has had huge games against the Cowboys in the past. So... As, as very good, as good as this Cowboys defense has been, the multitude of options that the Eagles have, I think is going to be such a fascinating matchup, game playing on both sides with the weapons that the Cowboys have, but also the varied ways that the Eagles can beat you. You know, I think that, <clears throat> to your point, I, I, was, I did my best this week because I feel like I was guilty <laughs> of this the first five of like saying, like interjecting and saying something. And then you're like, yeah, I was going to hit on that. Well, I was, so I, I'm waiting I for was, it. Like, That's just fine. sitting there on the edge of my seat saying, like, all right, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. What I, um, so what I miss? All right. So the, the, one of the things, to your point, about the, their run defense, yes, they have not gone against a superior run game so far for the most part uh, here in 2022. Despite that fact, C-Mac, watching them, I'm like, Man, this team's like kind of getting gashed a little bit. I feel like there, there are some areas where you can run on them, and the numbers kind of bear that out. They are actually dead last in the NFL in explosive run percentage allowed. So really? 18.8% of, uh, of the run plays they have faced have been ex what PFF describes as explosive runs. So when you are going to run the ball on them, uh, you can get some chunk plays. And to me, watching them, a lot of that happened on the edge. I felt like they had, the teams had success running some of those perimeter plays uh, right at them with how aggressive that front is as well. I think that there's some opportunity for some of those quick-hitting runs, those those traps and whams as well. And so um, those are runs that every team has been running against them. And I think that you'll see, we know that the Eagles have a multiple run scheme, so there are a lot of different ways uh, they can kind of carve you up as a defense. And I think that you'll, we'll see the full gamut uh, here on Sunday night. But uh, to your point, I mean, look, you the, the priority one, has to be, what are you going to do with Micah Parsons, right? I thought we had uh, uh, Mike Quick on Eagles game plan this week made the point that it's like when, you know, when he, when he played, hey, yeah, where's Lawrence Taylor right? yeah. on every play? All right, where's LT lined up with Parsons? You're going to do all the different tricks you've got in your bag. Uh, it's, it's on, you know what it's like? 
it's like going into the 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 Vikings game with Justin Jefferson, where yep. hey, all the tricks that we've got at our disposal, we are going to use to try and take away a guy like Justin Jefferson. So you're going to see pure double coverage. You're going to see zone coverage with safety help over top. You're going to see Darius Slay one-on-one. And that's when I look at this, I'm like, all right, there, there are going to be reps where it's Lane Johnson one-on-one. There are going to be reps Certainly. where it's you're going to see a lot of chip help, whether it's from the tight end, whether it's from the back. Back's going to be huge in this, you're, you're pass protection. Play action, screen game, empty sets, all the different things that you can do to kind of make things a little bit easier for the quarterback where he's not worried about that fearsome rush. Honestly, a lot of the things that the Cardinals did this past week to help Kyler Murray against the Eagles mm-hmm. defensive front, I think you'll see a lot of those things uh, here from the Eagles in this matchup. You don't want to let Micah Parsons destroy this football game. No. I mean, Lane against Parsons I mean, that's a heavyweight alone yeah, that's a is great worth matchup. the price of admission. What's interesting is the Cowboys will overload and put both Tank Lawrence and Micah Parsons on the same side. Lawrence is playing a lot inside. You talked about how Parsons is playing more, much more on the edge this year. Mm-hmm. The way that they have responded has been Lawrence now is taking more reps inside. And I agree with you, man. Demarcus Lawrence is one of the best players, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And so when you have him and Parsons on the same front, that's, that's a lot to handle. Those guys yeah. are both really, really good players. I, I have a lot of respect for Lawrence. And so um, when you look at those two guys up front, that's a lot to deal with as an offensive yeah. line. Armstrong had a great game on Sunday against yep. the Rams as well. So, And we still don't know what the Eagles' offensive line is going to look like. We don't know the situation point, left yeah, tackle sure. with Jordan Mailata. But still, what were the Eagles able to do in crunch time, even with all the moving pieces, 17-play drive to get the game-winning field goal. I, I thought that your point, too, about, hey, it's been five weeks into the season. The Eagles have had a player of the week five times, and none of them have been on offense. This is the, this is an offense that ranks number three right now in EPA per play. I'm not sure where they are on DVOA, but uh, one of the most efficient, uh, explosive offenses in football, and the fact that they haven't had that player of the week yet. Jalen was the, the player of the month yeah. for September, but you haven't had that player of the week, and I think that that speaks to all the different ways they can beat you. And I, every single week, it feels like there's a different theme, uh, a different staple of this offense that comes to the forefront. I tend to wonder if this is Quez Watkins. Mm. That's, that's, if I'm going to say an X Factor or a player who might surprise, I feel like he's been very quiet, very under the radar so far this season. I feel like a big play from Quez Watkins can really, really help break this game open. But with all eyes being on this matchup, I yep. feel like if the Eagles perform well, if someone stands out on offense – that's probably going to be your player of the week for right. week six of the NFL season. Oh, so I love that. It's uh, it's going to be fun. I think to to me like. When you look at the the way that they play coverage, it's a it's a lot of cover two. Um, they play as much cover two as anybody in the NFL. Uh, and they get to it from a lot of different ways. Everything we talked about with Greg earlier this week, but uh, finding ways to break down their coverage if you can protect uh, yeah. will be fun to watch from this team. Definitely want to see the Eagles take shots. That's the biggest mm. thing that I want to see. The Rams for all the struggles that they had, they couldn't protect. They couldn't protect, yeah. but they still were willing to take shots down mm-hmm. the field, and they still had opportunities if they could have just given Matthew Stafford a little split second. Yeah. There were plays there to be had. They were willing to take them, but it was just a matter of trying to keep that protection there for the quarterback. So let's go to number two. We'll stay on quarterbacks here. Are Cowboys fans building the statue for Cooper Rush just yet? You know, has it already been erected? Is it down there at AT&T Stadium in Arlington? I mean, on Sunday against the Rams, he was 10 of 16 for 102 yards. Okay, basically the Cowboys were given nine points uh, to open the game. They had a fumble return for a touchdown and then a blocked punt, which I want to get into a little bit of blocked punt that led to an easy field goal. So credit Cooper Rush. Look, he hasn't. Turn the ball. Yeah, he has no, no interceptions. Okay. The passer rating is 93.9. Um, but the Cowboys still have not scored. We talked about the defense not allowing more than 19. Well, the Cowboys haven't scored more than 25 yep. in a game this season. So if the Eagles are to lose, 
lose it at the arm of Cooper Rush. Okay, that's the biggest thing I want to see. And this is a matchup, again, we talk about the pass rush for the Cowboys going against the Eagles offensive line and the strength versus strength there. I want to see this Eagles defensive line get after this defensive line. But the biggest thing is they've got to take away this dynamic duo of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, Tony Pollard has become the big play running back for them. Had a 57-yard touchdown, uh, 86 yards on just eight carries against the Rams on Sunday. You know, Zeke Elliott is like the ground and pound, churns it out, moves the chain type back at this point in his career. But still, they're very efficient. They're getting the job done, and they're taking the pressure off of Cooper Rush. Put this game on Cooper Rush, okay? Let's see if he's been as good as advertised in these four games where he's been in for Dak Prescott. And I'm going in fully assuming here that he's going to be the guy come Sunday, even though it, I know it's not officially official. Yeah. Yes. We'll obviously uh, continue waiting for that when we're shooting this uh, midday on Wednesday. You know, I referenced that explosive run percentage stat mm-hmm. with the, the Cowboys defense. Where would you guess that the Cowboys' offense is with explosive run percentage? So, uh, again, percentage of runs that are 10-plus yards uh, you know, from, from their offense so far this year. Uh, I'm going to go – I'll go seventh. How about 31st? Really? Yeah. Uh, so, again, like you're getting those big – we've seen those big chunk plays from Pollard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me like, – That's what makes he's it, not, that's what I thought. You know, the, he's not playing enough where that's uh, like a huge, huge impact. And so, um, look, you, you have to corral him, no question. He is their big play back. But Zeke Elliott, uh, if you just look at it from a pure touch standpoint, Zeke Elliott so far has got 83 carries. Tony Pollard has 47, so it's a little less than half, or a little bit more than half, rather. Um, but I think it's all about trying to keep him corralled. They do a lot of different things with uh, their two back looks. They play more two back uh, than most teams in the NFL. So uh, getting both guys out in the field, but again, they haven't like created big plays out of those looks yet. Now uh, we've seen some other teams in the NFL. Create the, just just this past week. You look at what the New York Jets did. They got that big play to Brees Hall down the left sideline from those looks. So you know every week if you're a team that plays this pony pony set, this pony personnel with two true tailbacks on the field, you're typically going to look around. What are other teams doing out of these looks? Is there something we can steal? And so if you're the Eagles defense, you have to be ready for all those different things that can come from that pony package with both Zeke and Tony Pollard on the field together. So going to my last point here. Yeah. I don't know if it's a boring one here, but the special teams, I think, can play a huge, huge role. Okay, Mm. division rivals, you're looking for that slight edge here. Look, Cameron Dicker, the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. He made his game-winning kick uh, in his NFL debut. We don't know who's going to handle kicking duties yet for the Eagles come Sunday night, but Cowboys have been very, very good in special teams so far this season. They're fifth in special teams DVOA, tied for fifth by Pro Football Focus's grading metrics. Uh, Last week, I talked about Dorrance Armstrong. He blocked a punt that set up a short field for them. Uh, Kevante Turpin has been an explosive punt returner. That kid's got juice, man. Yeah, fourth in the league in punt returns, averaging 12.3 yards per return. The coverage units have been solid for them. Now, both the Eagles and the Cowboys, you know, were had by a fake punt this past Sunday, but nonetheless, here, Michael Clay's unit's got to come ready to play. You know, this is the one area where if you're looking for the slight edge and a division matchup here where things could be tight, special teams could be something to watch here. You know the background on Turpin? No. So he was actually the MVP for the New Jersey Generals uh, in the USFL this really? spring. Um, had a huge season down in the USFL. So they brought him in after that, like late in the middle of the summer, uh, and he carved his way onto the roster uh, just because of what he did as a returner. Uh, he had that huge uh, electric return. I wonder, was it the Hall of Fame game? It might have been even yeah. week two in the uh, in the preseason. Um, so he earned his way onto the 53. And uh, very, very undersized, but uh, a guy that's been an electric return man for them so far this season. I think when you look at um, you know the special teams, Look, when you get into the rivalry games, division games, 
So much of it, it's the, the, the old game of inches adage. It's the, the, some of those random plays that can happen in a game that can completely flip it on its head. Yeah, like if you're the Eagles special teams, you want to make sure that uh, you are on the receiving end uh, of that flip play. So uh, we'll see. I mean, look, the, this past week, um, you know, you gave up the uh, – there was the fake punt. Uh, mm-hmm. They had, a, they had a, a, a field goal blocked recently, right? Yeah. So uh, just things that, that have to be cleaned up from a special team standpoint. No question. Speaking of nuttiest moments, I'm going to give a plug for our peanut chews promotion here that you can play on the Eagles app. Which of the moments in the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry would you say is the nuttiest? We we give three options here. I'm putting you on the spot here. I'll, I'll let you know the three that we okay. we narrowed it down to. And we also did games as the well. The nuttiest as in like the craziest? It could be, yes. Or yes. like my favorite. It's a little, it's a little both. Okay. It's a little both. The three the three nominees we selected here. Lito, Lito Shepard? We did not pick that wow. one. We did we did 44 to 6. 44 6. Sure. We did the pickle, pickle juice, juice yeah, game. Right. And the last one, fourth and one, they stopped them, they stopped stop them again. Twice. Yeah, stop them again. Those yeah. are the three we went with. There, there are a lot in this yeah. one because we left at the NFC Championship game in 1980. I mean, pickle juice is probably, the, is probably yeah, so, up there just because that, that was a wild, uh, a wild game yeah. for sure. So, just had to throw, throw that in there. Yeah. But, but that's the thing is this rivalry has produced some amazing moments. And I think the. The stage is set. Prime time, Sunday night, first place in the division on the line. You know, there could be another one come Sunday night in South Philadelphia. Donovan, uh, 14 yard, fourteen second scramble. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Watching that one live play. at Texas Stadium. I forget. That's what I mean. Like, I remember, I remember watching that one live, and you're just like – I can't believe I just watched that. Like I cannot believe that that really just happened. And and the cat, look the catch too. It's a diving reception yeah. for sixty yards. Like it's not even like you know, he ran all the way and the guy was wide open. Like he had to throw it to him open. Yeah, some some amazing moments between these two teams here. So it's it's gonna be juice. Can't wait to watch the, the shows with with you and Ella and and Ike post game and, and Spuds. I mean, it's it's gonna be a tremendous weekend here in South Philadelphia. It's so. uh, it's gonna be electric. I'm excited for this. Uh, like I said earlier, it's the uh, recipe for a great Eagles Cowboys moment. Uh, hope the Eagles uh, come out on the winning side of this. C-Mac will be back uh, next week breaking this down. Uh, Eagles Cowboys. Thanks so much for joining us once again for three and out on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, let's keep the show rolling now with Chalk Talk as I welcome in Ben Fennell to talk through this Eagles-Cowboys matchup. And uh, Ben, a fun episode to put together this week for Eagles game plan just because, um, look, there's a lot to talk about on both sides of the football with this team. We start with the Eagles offense going up against this Cowboys defense, and that is probably the the prime matchup maybe in the entire slate uh, this weekend in terms of like unit versus unit, good versus good. The Eagles are a top three offense in in the NFL right now. The Cowboys a top five defense. And so when you look at this matchup, uh, just a lot to kind of break down from an X and O and from a Jimmy and Joe standpoint. It's a strong, it's a strong slate of games though. I think there's five games between teams winning records. So you know, obviously have you know Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen out there. It's yeah. gonna get a lot of eyeballs and a bunch of other ones. But Sunday night is as marquee as it gets. Five and O Eagles against four one Cowboys divisional matchup and entering week six. It's a big contender pretender kind of time of yeah. the, to the year for teams to weed themselves out and figure out who started hot and is coming back down to earth and maybe who started slow but is a contender i like these types of games of almost like prove it Mm. you know it's a litmus test game i think for both teams and a lot of teams this weekend there's a lot of three and two versus three and two you know four and one giants against three and two ravens a lot of prove it games uh so i'm really excited to see the eagles kind of get challenged by a very dominant defense this dallas cowboys team in 2022 
is a dominant defensive unit. I thought last week their win against the Rams really showed that. I mean, Cooper Rush, I think he was 10 of 18 passing, minimal big plays, minimal touchdowns, three sacks, not an offensive firepower. This is a defensive team. I think the NFL needs to wake up that this Cowboys team, they're going to limit your explosive plays. They're going to keep you under 20 points. They're going to get after you. And there's playmakers all over that defense. So maybe not be what that Cowboys team had been traditionally. You know, from the Dak and the Zeke era, we know the guys on the offensive side. This is a defensive team right now. Yeah, I think when you look at uh, all of their blue chip players that are on the field right now, like you would make the argument that Two or, th- two or three are on defense. I think when you look at uh, you look at Diggs, you look at Lawrence, and obviously Parsons. Uh, and look, Zach Martin is a, is a great player. Um, but I think that when you look at those three, I would say those are probably the three best players on that team. Uh, and I don't think that's like completely out of school. Uh, this is a really really good defense. Um, you know, we dove into uh, some of the the analysis with with Greg, but I'm kind of interested to kind of dive into this with you as well and just really comb through what makes them such a strong unit. And when we were trying to go through, all right, well, what do we want to talk about? for Eagles game plan. What are we going to have Greg break down? We, we saw a play, uh, it was a sack by um, Osa Odigizua against the Rams where a lot of elements could be kind of worked in in terms of what they're doing at such a high level. Yeah, it was a traditional fire X blitz, sending both interior linebackers in a crossing fashion, dropping out the defensive ends, but the fact that they fell back into a Tampa 2 defense, which they have absolutely increase and nearly double their total and usage of cover two Tampa two from Dan Quinn. So for to see them fall back into that zone coverage while sending creative pressure up front, moving parts after the snap talked about, I think six, seven different elements on that play. Excellent play, excellent design, excellent timing. Didn't even mention Michael Parsons name in it. So that's kind of what you're getting from this Cowboys defense. A lot of moving parts, post snap, some creative concepts, and some really good players within all of that. So there's a lot of different layers to this defense. Yeah, and when you talk about just that, that versatility of that scheme, all the athleticism, it, it, again, the, there's the moving parts element, there's the X's nose, and then, like you said, you, that goes without saying Micah Parsons. And uh, we, we wanted to have those guys talk about, uh, on Eagles game plan, talk about Micah Parsons versus Lane Johnson and just what that matchup is. I mean, uh, one of the best pure one-on-one battles is in this entire week of football. Yeah, absolutely. Two premier players, and it doesn't get much better than yeah. one of the better young defensive players players and a wily old veteran that's as good as it gets at the tackle position but diving into how this defense deploys is really important to dive into this is a 31st in base personnel yep they do not play heavy number three dime percentage they live in sub live in nickel even against two tight end sets which the eagles have been a little bit more balanced in their multi-tight end this year willing to go 11 personnel at three receivers obviously you spend some capital to get aj brown and zach pascal you try to get them on the field and we have But to see Dallas match up against two tight ends in nickel consistently is a dangerous game out there. So they're asking a lot out of Jordan Lewis at nickel, asking a lot out of those big safeties, the J. Ron Curses, the Israel Mukuamus, the Donovan Wilsons of the world. It's a lot of pressure on them to not only be able to cover slot receivers, wrestle with tight ends in the run game, and be just general run-fill players when you're in light personnel. Uh, So it's a lot of 5-1-5, some 4-2-5. Um, but for them to survive in sub, in nickel, it's going to be a tough challenge. And I want to see how Nick Sirianni and Shane Sykin feel like they can best attack them. Is our two tight ends a better matchup for them? Would you rather see a hulking receiver in the slot against Jordan Lewis? 
Um, I don't think the Cowboys are going to all of a sudden change right. from five weeks into week six. But We're not playing fa- the third linebacker. Fascinating, out there, yeah. fascinating battle, you know, kind of within the game. Yeah, uh, to me, the, just watching them kind of bounce back and forth between those two nickel packages, it will be fascinating to see. What, you know, you'll get that idea early on, right, in terms of oh, this is what the Eagles want to be able to do. And obviously a big part of that is Dallas Goddard. And we, ha- we hit on him right at the top of the show this week in, ger- in terms of his versatility and just what he means to this Eagles offense. We could have picked any of a handful of plays. We ended up going with the third down conversion on the final drive, but uh, a bunch of plays where you could just see the impact he can have on this pass game and in the run game. Yeah, I feel like he showed the whole gauntlet, particularly in the pass game, whether it was in line, wing position, detached in the slot, split out wide, yards after catch, savvy stuff over the middle, sitting in the zone, being a big available weapon to the quarterback, winning vertically and stretching the seam like we saw as well. I just feel like he is just such a well-rounded receiver, but his best trait is blocking. So it just really speaks to just how well-rounded and dual threat he is. The last two seasons, he only trails Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews in receiving yards and blows both them way out of the water in blocking. Not even close. So in comparing it to someone a little bit more his speed, He's got more receiving yards than George Kittle. He's got more run-blocking snaps than George Kittle. He's more available than George Kittle. Yep. Uh, so to see what Dallas Goddard can do, listen, to have an A-minus pass catcher, an A-minus run blocker, that's an A-plus skill set. That is so rare to find, and Dallas Goddard is really working himself into the conversation of being the best tight end in the NFL. Yes, the best tight end in the NFL. He is fully in the conversation. Just going over to the other side of the football with the Eagles defense going up against this Cowboys offense. Uh, you know, look, at the time of recording, we didn't know exactly what the uh, quarterback position was going to look like for Dallas. Uh, Mike McCarthy saying on Wednesday that it, it, they are planning on it being Cooper Rush and not Dak Prescott. Uh, but we wanted to focus in on the run game and, and the use of Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. And, and Zeke has been much more of the, you know, between the tackles grinder. They're not creating a lot of explosive plays on the ground, but Pollard has been that guy. And so we picked that explosive run for a touchdown, the 50-plus yard run uh, to break down here with Greg. Yeah, you know, and and just diving into the tape from last week against the Rams, this isn't the most explosive or high-powered offense, certainly not in the past game, the Dallas Cowboys. I like their run game. I thought it was multiple. I thought it was creative. I saw all sorts of different schemes, whether, you know, Pony with two back and Pollard and Zeke Elliott back there. You have that O-line fullback hippo package. You can work in some lead concepts, some wham concepts. They had a full house package with the two backs and the fullback back there. They worked in a triple option play. All the short yardage, all of a sudden they went three tight ends. Short yardage, all of a sudden they went eye backs with the ponies. A lot of different run elements in this offense. So may not be the most productive and efficient, but they throw a lot at you. And I think that's really Kellen Moore to a T, is that he has this Rolodex, you know, Cheesecake Factory playbook that he could go really deep on you. Yeah, and that's what, you know, just kind of looking through the numbers, it's obviously effective because of no Dak Prescott this year, right? But I feel like the offense is operating at a different <laughs> clip right now than it was the last time Dak got hurt, and that was like the Ben DiNucci uh, era from like a couple years ago. They're not quite, uh, you know, in terms of, look, they're operating much better than they did uh, in that season. And I think they're top 10 right now in explosive pass percentage. Uh, they're attacking downfield. They're only 26th in Yak. This is a team that before was like, oh, Yak, 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 get the ball to C.D. Lamb as fast as possible, get the ball uh, to all of the these pass catchers, but now they're attacking more the intermediate area. Cooper Rush has done a nice job of really just kind of dropping back and hitting some of those well-defined seam throws, those dig routes over the middle of the field. He's been willing to, to pull the trigger on those plays, and one of the things that you and I have kind of marveled at looking at this Dallas offense over the years since Kellen Moore has taken over play calling 
you know, usually they're, oh man, they're, they're top 10 in empty, they're top 10 in play action, they're top 10 in screens, they're top 10 in motion, they're top 10. Really, they're, they're down lower in all of those areas, but they're still being very, very efficient uh, in, the, in terms of the way they're moving the football. So while they might not wow you, they're they're moving the football uh, pretty pretty well. They just it, it's been a like oh man like third down they get to third down and they just can't convert. Yeah, absolutely. Cooper Rush just hasn't been effective enough on third down. Yeah. So while the percentages and the rates are middle of the pack, you know, flirting with the top ten, yeah. the volume in which they're trying That's to it. do that yep. is way down. So yep. just you know, pass attempts and pass completions, right. bottom five in the NFL right now. Yep. So last week Cooper Rush was ten of eighteen. And they dominated the Rams. Yep. That's what you're getting from this team right now. A limited pass game as far as sample size and volume, but a pretty dominant team, and it's coming pretty defensively. Mm. So Cooper Rush, you're seeing a lot of empty, a lot of spread, a lot of shotgun, defined read. Why is that different from Ben DiNucci? Ben DiNucci was athletic. Get out of town. We don't know what you're doing. Scramble and make something happen. Yep. I'm assuming that's kind of the MO behind the scenes there with Ben DiNucci. Use your legs. Get out of town. Yeah. Make something happen. That's not Cooper Rush. No. He, in fact, has two scrambles the entire season. 311 offensive plays. He scrambled twice. Yep. What does that tell defenses? Turn and run. Play man coverage. No QB spies, which is a hilarious counter from last week in right. Kyler Murray yes. where he was – Everyone's playing zone, eyes in the backfield, eyes on Murray, pass rush lanes, pocket containment, QB spies. You worked out all the quarterback mobile stuff. This week can be a little bit more flexible with some of those calls on the back end, a little more man coverage. Maybe you have an extra body to double CD Lamb or roll coverage wherever you want to. So I think the Cowboys and the offense present a different challenge. But Cooper Rush, they're giving him some more defined reads. He's getting the ball out, trying to find an opening. It's not dynamic but they're designing things for him to get the ball out, whether it's a quick little double move, a quick little motion, you know, pass kind of over the middle, um, and just finding ways for that offense to survive on third down, like you Mm. said. To me, looking at third down, and that's why I wanted to kind of structure it, looking at what the Eagles did last week on third down. Mm -hmm. Looking at the – and even just thinking about this defense, this Eagles defense, over the course of the season on third down, because I track it every single week as I'm watching, getting ready for the postgame show. It feels like in the first half of most games, the Eagles come out with their third down game plan, and they put the locks on opposing teams. Teams have not – we've talked about how they've been able to jump on teams in the first half of games. I think the third down defense has been a big part of that. Arizona went three of seven on third down last week week in the first half and if you look at those first half third down numbers mostly they've been good as teams have been trying to catch up uh, and get into hurry up and try and move the football against uh, against this Eagles defense in the second half of games that's where they have found more success I think back to Detroit I think they were like six of seven on third down they had four third down conversions on the one drive uh, in that game Arizona the same thing happened the Eagles were outstanding on third down for a large majority of the game and then you have that one drive where you give up three third down conversions and so uh, when I look at what their plan was a week ago a big part of that was the use of Kaiser White and, and getting him up on the line of scrimmage and using him in a wide variety of ways. And we talked about that this week on Game Plan. And reflecting back to him coming out of West Virginia, I feel like one of the forefront forefront projections of his potential NFL career was this guy's going to be a great sub linebacker. Right. He is literally exactly what you want as a dime linebacker. And a lot of those third down looks, Eagles played dime on the back end, six defensive backs. You only get one linebacker, four-man rush, 
And why is Kaiser such a good dime linebacker? Well, you got to have the ability to cover. Yep. Got to have the ability to blitz. And you got to just be an athlete on third down and be able to run and chase. And you saw that with some of his quarterback spying duties as well. So I think Kaiser's athleticism, his movement patterns, his coverage, his blitzing, his pure speed and athleticism, perfect dime linebacker. And you saw him kind of sugared up on some of these third down looks, serving as a fifth man on the D line but wasn't always just a D lineman. Yep. So a guy that showed some sim pressures, worked in with some pressures, fell out and spied, did some underneath zones, a couple man coverages on third down as well. Kaiser White really checking a lot of boxes this season and collectively just so impressed with this entire defense. I mean, James Bradbury, Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, um, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson yeah. coming. It's a lot of important bodies on the defense, not just role players. These are cornerstone players in Jonathan Gannon's defense that are new this year. So I remember Gannon talking last year, and there were some growing pains to start the season. You could see it on his face at the press conferences. He didn't have all the players up to speed like he wanted, didn't have all the players that he wanted to you know, deploy the full scheme. This season, everybody just seems like they're clicking – <clears throat> and playing faster and understanding the defense, whether it's new guys, old guys, year two, whoever, it's just really refreshing to see. And I just want to make sure we appreciate those new guys coming in and playing so fast and so multiple. It's not easy to do. And it's just really great to see, uh, you know, the the new ingredients in the kitchen kind of taste good in the meal. I think that that you got to give a lot of credit too to the holdovers that were here last year mm-hmm. because they can be, you know, I feel like the coach on the field phrase gets overused, but uh, you know, they have that ability to translate and keep and bring guys along at a faster rate. So you look at the Slays and the Maddoxes and the Epses and the TJ Edwards, those guys on the back seven uh, can continue bringing those guys along and helping those guys out from a terminology and execution standpoint. And a guy whose name I didn't see a whole lot in headlines on social media articles how about Josiah Scott yeah stepping up two weeks in a row for Avante Maddox maybe a player not as well known as some of the mainstays on the defense cornerback smaller prospect for Michigan State I think initially drafted by the Steelers if I'm not mistaken but made his way over here to Philadelphia it's been a really nice rotational nickelback throughout the summer and preseason well, his number's been called with Maddox out, and he's had a pretty quiet two games, I like to say, Fran. Right. I think that's a good thing. So he had a couple of nice plays, and he had a big stop kind of in the alley last week. They sent him on a little bit of a post-snap rotation right into a quick pass, and he's looked the part out there. So number 33, you see him making plays, Scott on the back. Don't be afraid to look him up and call his name out too. All right, so I know you've pulled a lot of numbers, getting, mm-hmm. ready, for, uh, getting ready for all the shows we've been doing this week. Is there one stat uh, that stands out most to you? Uh, yeah, there's a few things. Um, you know, I think the scrambling of Cooper Rush was really interesting. Only two scrambles so far this year. Was very surprised as well. Cowboys offense, sixth highest usage of 12 personnel. Mm. So not only are they adding those two tight ends on the field, they're keeping them in quite a bit as well to try to give some extra protection to Cooper yep. Rush. The one caveat... They're both rookies, Yep. both Big Ten rookies, guys that have traditionally put their hand in the ground, like the run block, like the pass protect, but they are rookies. So interested to see if our defensive ends can maybe uh, get the advantage on some of those matchups. The other thing, Dan Quinn, fourth most single high plays. I don't expect that to change. They're going to want to be plus one in the box against the Eagles run game. I expect to see a lot of free safety out there pre-snap. Try to discourage the Eagles from having good pre-snap looks. Then we'll see the post-snap movement. Do they try to drop out, try to confuse Jalen Hurts, give them some post-snap things to think about? 
I, I love that. And to me, like when you look at uh, just the, the narrative around this defense, we talked so much about, you know, cover two, cover two, cover two, and they're playing cover two at a very high rate compared to the rest of the league. They're second most uh, in the NFL. That seems to be a go-to coverage for them on third down. They get to it in so many different ways. But at the end of the day, this is still a team that plays plenty of cover one. This is still a team that plays plenty of cover three. Uh, I'm just looking at the numbers here. Uh, really quickly as I pull this up, great podcasting friend. Uh, yeah, they the thirty one percent, thirty almost thirty two percent cover three, almost twenty two percent cover one. Both of them are inside the top fourteen in the NFL. So while they are playing a lot of cover two, they're still playing a ton of cover three and cover one. Yeah, and you're seeing us a lot of cover two, Tampa two around the league start to pick up because just a baseline vanilla defense. Uh, you know, protect your corners deep with half field safeties, allow them to beat them up on a little bit on the outside. But at the end of the day, you get eyes on the quarterback as well. So I think when you have mobile people like Jalen Hurts or mobile quarterbacks that can get outside of the pocket, really burn you late in the down, I think some teams are just going with these zone coverages a little bit more. Not to mention, there's some just gazelles and studs on the outside. It's tough to cover them in man coverage. Yep. And you have a mobile quarterback that can maybe buy some time, and you're asking them to stay with Devontae Smiths and A.J. Browns for four and five seconds. Good luck out there. Cover two typically can fix all that. So uh, for me, you know, the two stats that I've actually already talked about a little bit uh, on this pr- platform uh, in the last segment with CMAC, I mentioned that uh, 32nd overall, the last in the league in the explosive run rate uh, defensively. I feel like that's an area where the Eagles can try and gash this team. And, they, and they, it's not like they've gone against juggernauts uh, from the run game standpoint offensively. Um, so that you, you look at this team, uh, I think they can move the football on the ground. We'll see how often they try and take advantage of that, especially if you're able to get some kind of an early lead, right? If you, you go out, come out throwing, you get a, you know, a one or two score lead going you know, late midway through the second quarter, and now it's pedal to the metal with the run game. Uh, I'll be interested to see if that's a winning formula for the Eagles in this one. And then uh, the other one is just the, and we talked about this with Greg, like the amount of stunts that this team throws from a volume standpoint and from a percentage standpoint, 50% of their plays on defense involve a stunt. Like one and two, flip a, flip a coin, they're gonna have they're gonna be running some kind of a stunt. And if you look at it from a pure volume standpoint, 125 stunts on the season. San Francisco is number two. They ran eight. They've run 82 so far. That's a 43 a 43 <laughs> rep difference. Just ridiculous. Houston's number three. Chicago number four. Pittsburgh number five. Um, just a, a wild amount of movement post snap from. Parsons and Armstrong and Fowler and Lawrence and Odigizua and all the rest of that group. Uh, it's a lot to prepare for from an offensive line standpoint. Yeah, a lot of guys are good first steps, guys that are sudden. Not a lot of people that get stuck in the mud with their movement patterns. Not a lot of true just bull rushers. You know, even guys like Odigizua, Neville Gallimore, first thing on their reports coming out of college, first step. Yep. So guys that can get off the ball, immediately threaten those tackles and guards, and then, obviously, once they get in the recovery mode and you have loops and stunts, this becomes a very overwhelming type of pass rush presence. And that's just from like a, a kind of like a base look. And they do have a sub front, you know, in their nickel. But, you know, they will load up with some pass rushers and that kind of, as we like to call, speed packages, NASCAR yep. packages with three and four defensive ends. And they really start to stunt and move. You might see stunts across two players, long stunts. Michael Parsons might do some things we've never seen before. So uh, that Cowboys front, a lot of movement, a lot of studs up there. Yeah, I think when you look at that, that's what uh, makes that such a dangerous group. Uh, let's close this up quickly with our uh, matchups that matter. I'll let you kick this one off. What's a, a matchup that you feel is, is most pivotal in this game? You know, we talked about the Dallas Cowboys defense playing a lot of sub, a lot of attention on that big nickel position. Mm. But I'm just watching their regular nickel, Jordan Lewis. Yep. I really want to see, which he played every snap last week against the Rams, one of three defensive players, doesn't come off the field. 
What does Dan Quinn feel like Jordan Lewis can handle against this Eagles offense? Can he, you know, handle the Dallas Goddards in coverage? Is he going to be in the slot against A.J. Brown? What if he's in the slot against Devontae Smith? What if it's Pascal in the slot? You know, where is he in the run game? I think what they ask to do Jordan Lewis He's a very, very good player, but I'm just interested to see what they think he can handle and then where the Eagles feel like they can attack. So if the Dallas Cowboys want to stay in sub, does that mean can Dallas Goddard maybe cut a backside defensive end? You get offensive linemen up on some smaller people. Do you just get Dallas Goddard to kind of overwhelm those safeties in the run game? Really want to see how the Eagles feel like they can attack those sub players and also what the Cowboys feel like they can ask of those players. Yep. So middle-of-the-field players, both sides of the ball, really, really interesting. You talked about this back in the summer, looking at the Eagles' potential 11 personnel sets with three receivers on the field, the different combinations there and what that could mean from a run-game, pass-game standpoint. You, know, you get a Zach Paschal and an A.J. Brown on one side of the field, you're going to treat that as a, as a pass threat, but certainly you also have the ability to, to run behind those two guys as well out <laughs> in the perimeter. So uh, if the Eagles are able to take advantage of those matchups, that's certainly something to watch in this game. And We've also seen our ability to keep you in matchups with our tempo, go tempo at yep. times. Like we saw last week, you did a great breakdown that opening drive. You saw some tempo at the end of it. Wasn't just to go fast, fast, fast. In order to keep a certain defensive personnel on the field to attack as well. So yeah. that tempo is also pretty deliberate in wanting that defense to stay on the field and not substitute. All right. Well, let's get to uh, to mine here, and I'm going to go into the trenches. I'm looking at this Eagles defensive line going up against the Dallas offensive line, and Tyler Smith has had a strong start to his season, his rookie campaign. He's playing left tackle. A lot of people felt like he was going to be a guard, especially early on with Tyron Smith out there, but forced into action on the blind side. And to me, look, look, he's he's been good. Uh, he, he has not been bad, but just watching him against Josh Sweat, I think that's going to be a really fun matchup uh, for this Eagles team. I think when you look at Sweat and his length, he had a couple of just crazy Gumby rushes uh, off the edge where guys that are built that, like with his length should not be able to like bend and c- maintain their balance the way that Sweat is able to, you know, the way that he's able to kind of contort his body in awkward positions and still run the hoop. He, he's just something else. So watching Josh Sweat against Tyler Smith, uh, Smith came up a couple sacks this week, albeit it was to, uh, to Aaron Donald. Uh, still uh, something to watch here in this game, looking at Sweat uh, against Tyler Smith. Even going look on the other side, Hassan Reddick and, and Terrence Steele, uh, I think is a matchup to watch as well. So, uh, Ben, it'll be fun uh, to break this one down. We've got the bye week next week, so we'll have plenty of time to break this one down as we get ready for uh, the Eagles to kind of put the pause, hit the pause button, self-scout, and do all that stuff. We'll talk through it all next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. All right, so great stuff there from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen, rate the show, leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we'll answer it here on an upcoming episode. And we want to give a shout out to somebody who did exactly that recently. Write him, left a five-star review saying, hey, Fran, these episodes are gold. Does not get much better than your takeaways with Greg, but really, really love the aspect of faux focus and your discussions with Ben as well. As I was thinking of a comparison for Jalen Hurts, with him making this huge leap in his growth playing the position, one quarterback came to mind was Cordell Stewart, the former former Steelers quarterback. Not sure of his tape or measurables and how they compare, and Jalen might, might have been a better thrower than him, but was wondering what your thoughts 
thoughts were on the comparison, and if he continues on this trajectory, does he play similar to a Donovan McNabb or a Steve McNair? So, uh, <clears throat> Will, I think when you look at the way that Jalen is built and the way that he operates as a quarterback, a little bit different than Cordell, who I, I think is uh, was a little bit leaner, a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more explosive. The arm might have been a little bit more live as well. Uh, just a, a twitchier player in terms of the way that he's built. I do think that Jalen is built a little bit more similar to, to Steve McNair or to Donovan McNabb. And honestly, I've heard the McNabb comparisons in terms of the style uh, and the, the play strength and the ability to uh, to win both from the pocket and out on the move. So um, I think that all of it is suitable. I always struggle with player comparisons for quarterbacks especially because there are just so many layers to a comparison like that. But I think when you're looking from a pure physical standpoint, I would say lean more towards the McNabb-McNair comparison as opposed to uh, the Cordell Stewart. Um, yeah, I know the one comparison that is very common as well uh, is Dak Prescott. And I think that that one is suitable and also timely uh, considering it is, in fact, Dallas week. So, uh, right Ham, thanks so much for the five-star view. Thanks for the comment. And again, if you guys have a question, leave it there in the comment box. We will answer it in an upcoming show. Great stuff there. Now, let's wrap up this episode. We've got Faux Focus and Bob Sturm. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in full focus. Well, excited to welcome back here to the show on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast for Faux Focus this week, Bob Sturm. You can check him out on Twitter, at Sports Sturm. His work over at 96.7 The Ticket down in the DFW and also uh, The Athletic. Bob, welcome back to the show, man. I really appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. It's always great to be with you, Brian. All right, well, let's get into uh, this discussion about this big Eagles-Cowboys matchup. I'm sure uh, a lot of discussion down there this week going into this game. And we'll start on the Cowboys offensive side of the football. And I'll ask you to just put on your Kellen Moore hat. You're going into this game. What gives you the most confidence? What is your biggest strength for the Dallas Cowboys on offense going into this matchup? Well, for me, honestly, I would have to say that that is the million-dollar question in this game because uh, it kind of comes down to what do you feel good about this offense right now without Dak Prescott out there with Cooper Rush in the game. And and here's the really weird discussion because in so many ways, uh, they're winning. So everybody says, okay, well, the offense is absolutely clicking very well. Isn't this great? But the reality is uh, the closer you look at it, the more you kind of see that the key to their winning is being mistake-free, protecting the quarterback, and not doing anything silly. And that's not really a strength. Uh, uh, you know, not making mistakes is a strength. I want to be clear here. Some offenses do make mistakes. Some quarterbacks do. Cooper Rush knows the offense like a coach. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, but the Cowboys have always had the lead in these four weeks. They've never had to play desperate offense. They've never had to pass uh, continuously. They've always done things on their terms. And so I, I think we should say, well, that's something that they can aspire to do. But at a certain point in certain environments, that's so hard to play with only the lead and and uh, accept punts as a successful drive. So when you, you know, going back to your specific question of what makes Kellen Moore feel like it's something he can count on. What's his strength? What's his go-to move? Um, you would probably fall back on the offensive line playing well and the quarterback playing smart. They're not a real strong running team, and they're certainly not a very strong passing team right now. So it's a weird 
discussion to say what is the Cowboys offense good at except being smart and playing with the lead right now. And I'm not sure that's really a game plan as much as it is uh, a disposition that they've been very good at not having to force the issue and not having to walk into mistakes, if that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, there's the, that fine line between, okay, this is an offense or a quarterback that you can play to go win the game, and there's the play not to lose it. And I feel like uh, that's exactly kind of the way you're describing that situation right now uh, with Cooper, which is fine, like for, for a backup quarterback uh, to be in yeah. that situation. Um, let me ask you you talked about the offensive line. That was obviously a big area of discussion for this team coming into the season. Huge. Spend a, a first round pick on Tyler Smith. He, the, you know, had to change plans with uh, moving from guard to tackle. What has that transition been like for him? He's been remarkable, and and I don't quite get it. Uh, I don't know where your evaluations were with him on draft day, but I thought I thought the first round was pretty crazy. I, I thought that that was uh, a real reach for the Cowboys and a project, you know, one that might, with coaching, take a couple years. There's no question he has physical attributes that are unbelievable. But there's so much more to the NFL. And how many times have we seen guys with great attributes that just never turn into anything except maybe a swing tackle or a, or a depth guy or, you know, one of those guys that gets nine lives in the NFL. Tyler Smith has cleaned up his technique issues beautifully. And especially as you point out, the plan was for him to play guard until Tyron Smith uh, was done and uh, then move him over maybe in year three. And, and so for him to move over in mid-August of his rookie season and play at the level he has played and not be a penalty machine and not be a, uh, a complete uh, door of entry to the blind side of the quarterback. Now, Aaron Donald got him a couple yep. times, and that's Aaron Donald. But uh, for the most part, he's played some real clean games. And then, man, when he is able to demonstrate his physicality and his athleticism, he's scary. Uh, he is a very, very strong man who can really move out there. And when they get him pulling in space, I'm sure you saw that Monday night yeah. game against the Giants. He was, he was, uh, he looked like a, a potential All Pro. Uh, so, so um, they look like they got something pretty special. Uh, I can't believe how well he has played. Frankly, on the other side, Terrence Steele for Lyle Collins has been. A, a real discovery as well. And so they've, they've really turned over this offensive line and left guard is still a problem. It's been a problem for ages and it seems like the problem on just about every roster in the league, frankly, <laughs> left guard. But, uh, but for the most part, those other four positions, I, I have to compliment them. They're way better than I expected them so far. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what is the, uh, the, the the squeaky wheel on that offensive line? What's the, the fourth wheel on the shopping cart that's making it go off into the uh, into aisle six? But uh, you mentioned that that left guard spot has been uh, a little bit of a troublesome spot for them. But uh, we'll see if that's something that, uh, that they can get corrected here midstream. Let's go over to the yeah. defensive side of the football. Uh, you put on your Dan Quinn hat. What's the biggest strength for this defense? Obviously, one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah, the biggest strength is easy. Micah Parsons is a absolute animal, and 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 because he's so good at what he does, that makes Demarcus Lawrence much better. Because Demarcus Lawrence no longer has to kind of be the alpha; he can actually sort of play off of what Micah Parsons does. And and so this pass rush and this rotational pass rush, it, it, in many ways, it reminds me of uh, those Giants teams that won Super Bowls. Is that they just keep coming at you with bodies. 
and and maybe some of these guys in this rotation are not going to be 10 sack guys at any point of their career, but they are great for eight or 10 snaps as the game goes on. And so, uh, you, you know, Dante Fowler has is, is, is been tremendous. Dorrance Armstrong has just been a, a beast here in year five of his career. And I don't know that anyone saw that coming even 18 months ago. Um, uh, Osa Odigizua has been tremendous. And so, you know, when, when you start getting to the point where a guy like Neville Gallimore or a guy like Chance Golston are really only your seventh or eighth best defensive lineman, you start to say, okay, well, I know where the strength is. Uh, I guess what I didn't necessarily anticipate was that they were going to just make Micah Parsons an edge rusher almost completely full-time. Now, his groin uh, may alter their plans for Sunday, uh, uh, you know, in terms of using him in multiple spots. But the fact that, uh, this this run and hit linebacker from Penn State is suddenly one of the top edge rushers in the NFL. Is just a a transition that that frankly has shocked everybody here, and it, it makes a lot of people wonder: Is this guy, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate? Because he's got to be in the discussions. He wrecks games regularly. He he appears to be the type of locker room alpha male that you dream of as well. Uh, and, and, you know, he plays hurt, he plays determined, he makes plays at the end of the game. So if, if you're saying, you know, who do you have to circle on the board when you play the Dallas Cowboys, uh, it's no secret. Uh, number 11 is as good as uh, anybody could have dreamed. And, uh, and, and he, you know, he definitely brings up comparisons to Lawrence Taylor, which is, of course, overdone and overcooked uh, with so many prospects over the years. I mean, how many guys have been compared to Lawrence Taylor, but I do concede what I see from Micah Parsons is absolutely singular in its effect right now. He, he is, you know, and, and we're going on almost a year and a half now, so it doesn't appear to be a fluke at all. Do you feel like Bob that most of the reps that he's going to, if he does play primarily on the edge, uh, that it'll mostly be at left defensive end, putting him against Lane Johnson, or do you envision, hey, like, if there's a favorable matchup inside, they'll move him in and move him around and use him in that way? Yeah, Dan Quinn's very good at moving guys around, moving pieces. Uh, there was a sack on Sunday where uh, Parsons and Armstrong actually dropped into pass coverage, and it really crossed the Rams up. And it led to Odigizua yep. and and I guess Vanderesh getting a sack. Yep. So uh, and then another sack they put uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence right inside Micah Parsons, right guard, right tackle, and that of course isolates Parsons on the edge. So so with Lane Johnson, obviously uh, he's as solid as a rock, and he's an unbelievable uh, uh, you know right tackle. And so I would anticipate Quinn will go into his bag of tricks and start moving Parsons around. And, uh, you know, depending on on how left tackle looks for you guys on a Sunday night in Philadelphia, I know that that's been in question the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if Big Milata is ready to roll, but uh, there's a there's a chance Parsons uh, will will spend a little time with uh, with with most everybody on that Eagles offensive line at some point or another. Last question for you on the defensive side there, Bob. The uh, I'd love to get a temperature check on Trayvon Diggs. He was one of the more polarizing players a year ago, lead, leading the league in, in interceptions, but also giving up his fair share of yards, according to all the uh, analytical yes. services. So uh, as we sit here now in week five of this season here in 2022, what's, uh, what are people saying about Trayvon Diggs locally down there in Dallas? <laughs> 
Well, I think I, I think he's taken a step. Uh, he's he's absolutely polarizing. I mean, we all we, we all know that uh, high profile corners are uh, are are the type that uh, get the conversation going. And and you know, he reminds me in some ways of uh, Lattimore in New Orleans, yeah. and uh, and and you know, guys who who make their fair share and definitely make their cash but at the same time also are attacked and will lose from time to time. It's just the reality. It's just a tough position. And the type of guys those guys are asked to cover every single week is just an insane murderer's row of talent. And so um, I, I think I think he's been better. I think he's taken a step. I think he's got a really good mentality. At the same time, uh, you can see every week that teams say, let's make him tackle. Let's make him deal with run support. Let's make him, you know, do things he doesn't – let's throw double moves at him. Let's try to use his instincts against him. You know, he he plays in phase, and so uh, he thinks he's the wide receiver a lot of times. And you know that that uh, offensive coordinators love to see that possibility as, as, as a, a chance at a big play. Uh, the Rams got him a couple times on, on Sunday, but I think if you look at those plays, the, the one to Atwell was a cover three play where the safety gave him no support because the safety – saw Cooper Cup going across the middle of the field and said, that's probably who I should go, uh, you know, go attend to. And and then, you know, the the other play was to a cup in a, you know, a cover one traffic situation where Diggs just got, uh, you know, caught up. Uh, and, and and once Cup catches the ball in the open field, it's tough to, to track him down. So can you, can you get things done against Trayvon Diggs? Absolutely. But you better be careful because, uh, because he will, uh, go get that ball, and he will make plays, and, and and he will break up passes. I thought his performance against Washington in Week Four was uh, so superb, as uh, they tried to get him with McLaurin a couple times, and and Diggs wasn't having it. Yeah, I mean, he was outstanding in that Week Three game uh, last year down in Dallas, and had a big interception yes. in the middle of the field. He is uh, a guy that, to me, like I know, you know, we we talked about he's a polarizing player. I think he's one of the best corners in the league. He's going to give up his share, but uh, to me, the his route instincts, his length, his ball skills, uh, on par with anybody in the NFL. Uh, let's move to the next question here, Bob. If you're Mike McCarthy, yes, what's the biggest concern for this team going into the matchup? What are you most worried about if you're the head coach going up against the Eagles? Well, uh, it's a smaller concern because you're four and one right now. But the concern is how the heck would you be able to generate enough offense to compete with the Eagles? I mean, uh, really, I think the Cowboys chance and they do have a puncher's chance on Sunday night. But I do think their biggest chance is to once again have the defense just drag them through it to a very tough game. And, and they did that in Los Angeles, so we shouldn't rule it out. But Los Angeles has some real X's and O's issues right now that make them, I think, a easier team to deal with uh, than, than the Eagles. The Eagles look like a team that will get a touchdown per quarter uh, and maybe more. And and so if that's the case, you got to ask yourself, how how is this Cowboys offense ever going to generate 30 points in a game? Uh, because I would anticipate it'd probably take about 30 to get a win in Philadelphia on a Sunday night. And and I just I, I don't see great answers. Um, you know, there's there's always a chance for for three takeaways and there's always a chance for a Cavante Turpin, uh, you know, return of some sort. But but I just you know, I just got to be realistic here. The Cowboys. Uh, did something on Sunday in Los Angeles that uh, is is almost impossible. They they had fewer than 240 yards and they had 10 first downs. There is one time 
since the merger that they won a road game uh, with 10 first downs and less than 240 yards. Wow. And that was in 1975 when Roger Staubach uh, beat the New York Giants on the road. I mean, that was 47 years ago. Jeez. So so when you say, uh, you know, how does Mike McCarthy win a Sunday night game in Philadelphia without Dak Prescott and without an offense that uh, is so – so dead set on not making mistakes that uh, that uh, they're you know they're going to try to play action on first down. I assume the Eagles will know that that they're going to try to play action on first down, and then they're going to uh, accept punts as a good you know good possessions as long as they can keep the score uh, in a in a good position to shorten the game and maybe have a, a chance in the second half. But uh, th- this one this one is going to be their most difficult test for sure because of what the Eagles can generate offensively. And, and I just, I, I just think uh, the benefit of being four and one somehow uh, kind of makes you say week six can be casino money because in week seven, there's a greater than zero chance Prescott's back and you're still in a really good position now moving forward because you know, this defense is elite. that said, I'm not sure it's elite enough to just go into Philadelphia and shut down what Jalen Hurts and, and the Eagles have going right now. Yeah, to me, that's what makes this uh, such a fascinating matchup on both sides, everything you just laid out there. Uh, last question for you, Bob. Most pivotal one-on-one matchup for Sunday night in your mind. Well, what's the, the one battle that really could dictate the outcome of this game? Well, um, I, from what I can tell, I would say Jordan Davis in the middle of that line against Tyler Biotish and uh, maybe even Connor McGovern. Uh, they they did okay against Vita Vea in week one, and I suppose that's the closest thing as that I have to a big comp sure. for uh, Jordan Davis. And and you know as I look at it, uh, the Cowboys ace in the hole might be if they can run the football a little bit on Sunday night with uh, with Zeke and Tony Pollard uh, between the tackles. Um, the Cowboys do not have the same run scheme that Philadelphia has is that so uh, brilliantly uses, uh, you know, a number of classic conflicts and, and just the, the spacing and the horizontal uh, way that uh, they go about their, their run and pass game. Cowboys are much more traditional. And they 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 want to bang it uh, up there with the uh, inside and outside zone and just kind of just kind of beat you at the point of attack and and I don't know if Biotish and McGovern are great against the the type of load that uh, Jordan Davis can bring to the table. So uh, if they can't move him around and they can't get their uh, run game going, now it puts the onus back on Cooper Rush to uh, to throw it thirty five times. And uh, and I don't love that right now. I, I think I think he's great in moderation, and I credit him greatly for what he's done so far. But anybody who uh, follows this team that has delusions that uh, they should stick with him because they're winning, uh, they they pro- they probably should uh, do more than just look at the scoreboard sometimes because uh, there's a lot to quarterback play in this league. Dak Prescott is not Tom Brady. But he is definitely a guy who knows how to convert third downs at a very high level. And that's just something the Cowboys are unable to do right now because, uh, um, you know, frankly, their offense is not set up for that sort of thing. Bob, just outstanding. Uh, really, really appreciate your uh, joining us once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Everybody, make sure you go follow uh, Bob on Twitter at SportsSturm. Bob, we'll talk to you again soon, my man. I really, really appreciate it. It's always fun being with you. All right, so great stuff there from Bob Stern. We've got one more clip 
to share with you guys before we close up this week's episode. We've got uh, more from Eagles Game Plan. And again, these are all clips that didn't make it into the final cut of the show. So this is exclusive analysis from Gabriella DiGiovanni, who did an outstanding job uh, hosting the show this week instead of John Clark, John down in Atlanta uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies. So uh, we'll hope to have John uh, back with us next week. But uh, Ella made her debut on Eagles Game Plan. Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell. We couldn't get all of this analysis into the show. Only a 30-minute program, but we were able to squeeze it in right here for you guys on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And he's a rare breed. Mike is right. When you're looking at Dallas Goddard, what makes him difficult uh, as I watch him, you know, he can be physical in the run game. Yes. Right? So he doesn't have a mind, he doesn't have a problem getting his hands dirty, getting down there, blocking defensive ends, chipping up on linebackers to help his running backs get plays. And then in the passing game, he has the ability to be fluid, to be athletic, get out in the open field, and he never goes down when first contact is made with him. So if you're a defender having to guard a guy like Dallas Goddard, his height, his size, his athleticism, man, he reminds me so much of Tony Gonzalez, former Kansas City Chief Atlanta Falcons yeah. uh, tight end. But he's a lot better in the run game than Tony Gonzalez ever was. Tony Gonzalez, he was the first tight end. They coined the phrase uh, receiving tight end. Yeah. That just basically means you don't really like to block in the run game. <laughs> Dallas Goddard is a complete tight end. Run game, passing game, yards after the catch. I think I got to agree with Mike. He may be the best tight end in all of football. Let's dig into the secondary a little bit. Trayvon Diggs led the NFL last year in interceptions. What do you think he's going to do to try and disrupt Jalen Hurts' passing game? Well, they haven't moved him as much this year as they have in the past. He's more on the right side and Brown's on the left side. So I don't think they're going to try and match him up, particularly with either one of the players. But you know that he's the guy on the back end that he's not going to just play the ball to try and bat the ball down. He wants interceptions. The guy is an outstanding athlete. He knows how to find the ball. And better than any defensive back I think I've ever seen, he knows how to play the ball in the air and give the ball back to his team, his offense. And the way you take advantage of that is you need pass protection up front first. And the reason why I say that, because you can double move Trayvon Diggs. Right. He's so aggressive. He's hungry. He's looking for that cheese. He wants the big play. You got to take take advantage of his aggressive play. So if we have time to hit him with a double move, whether it's A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, or uh, Devontae Smith, that's how you take advantage of a cornerback that plays that way. You got you to gotta make sure you're hitting with a double move over the top. He gives up as many plays probably more than what he makes on the defensive side of the ball. Last time Jalen Hurts saw the Dallas Cowboys was week three of 2021. He's a different quarterback now. This is a different Eagles offense. How do you think he's going to prepare for this Dallas defense? Well, I think you have to prepare for everything because Dan Quinn, one of the smartest defensive coordinators in all of football, he can show you multiple things. You can expect that they're going to line up in some front or some look in the secondary, but when the ball is snapped, they're in something totally different. Mm. They're primarily a two-deep zone coverage team, but they show you this in so many different ways, and that's going to be the key for Jalen and the offense, making sure that pre-snap, you're going to get a look, but making sure that you're in tune with what they do post-snap. And this is the disadvantage for a defense. You have to react to what the offense is doing. And I say that to say, this isn't the same. The Jalen Hurts, they're going to get 
in this game isn't the same Jalen Hurts they saw last year. I think it was in week three. This offense is much more diverse. Jalen has much more of a command of the offense. He seems to be composed when he has to make a decision to either run the ball or throw the ball. And as a defensive player, it puts you in a little bit of a pickle when the offense can sort of manipulate what they want to do. They're getting a different version of the quarterback than what they saw last year. And I'd venture to say we're going to run the ball with a little more effectiveness than we ran last year in that first game versus Dallas. That is a great point because Jalen Hurts is completely a different player. And I would say that Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, is trying to figure out how do we slow this guy down and how do we slow down all the multiple issues that we'll have with this offense. So Greg highlighted the threat of that Cowboys run offense for the Eagles on the defensive side of the football Rookie Jordan Davis has been electric in run defense. What have you seen from the big man in the middle, Ike? Well, it's a lot more difficult for these opposing teams to run the ball between those A-gaps, right, with number 90 being out there. You watch Jordan Davis over the last few weeks. The thing that I love that I'm seeing from him, his game is starting to show why they drafted him in the first round. You know, he's starting to get a lot more comfortable. What I'm seeing, second effort, explosion off the football. You know, there's a play in the Arizona game where he did his job by taking care of his gap. He even shared the blocker. But I'm watching him run down the field five yards and make a tackle on the running back. That's a big man to be chasing the ball down. I'm loving seeing the effort that you're getting out of Jordan Davis. You're really starting to see why the Eagles took him in the first round. That big body, that athleticism, that strength, not many guys his size in this league. Well, we saw his first tackle for a loss last week. And then in the Cardinals game, it was rookie on rookie. Because remember, they had the backup center playing. Yeah. So it's rookie on rookie. And he just whipped that young center. <laughs> whipped him, gets into the backfield. And several times you see him dominate plays. But I love what you're saying. The effort now that you're seeing from him, he's actually getting out into the screens. Yes. Little, those quick screens to the outside, he's getting off of that block and then running to the ball, making plays and helping out on the perimeter. And when you see that from a guy that's that big, <laughs> you're seeing the effort that you need for him to take his game to another level. Tony Pollard has been the focal point of this running back group, but Ezekiel Elliott always finds a way to have big games against the Eagles. Yes. Even on seasons where he's played a little down, he always rips off some big plays against the Eagles. How does the Eagles defense need to account for Zeke? Well, I started with talking about the guy we just finished talking about, number 90. The one thing about Zeke is you know where he's going to be at. He's coming in between the tackles. He's not the runner he was his first three or four years in the league where he could get on the edge and break the big runs. That's more what Tony Pollard does. But when they want those tough yards, third and short, goal line type of runs, they give the ball to number 21. And that's where I like the advantage for us. I love the fact that our tackles in the inside, whether it's Fletcher, Javon, or Jordan Davis, they have the ability to control the interior part of that offensive line. And that's where Zeke likes to eat. And they really control it when you have all three. Yeah. When they run that odd front where you've got Davis in the middle and then those other two big guys, it's really hard to run the football against that. But you know that Tony Pollard, he's the explosive guy. Yeah. Like you said, Zeke's the guy that's going to run between the tackles. And this, to me is the game. You have to make sure that you control them in the run game. They're not going to throw the ball as much. They're not as effective throwing the ball without Dak Prescott as a quarterback. So you have to be able to stop them in the run game. 
but if they are going to throw the ball, they're probably targeting C.D. Lamb. 50 <laughs> targets yes. so far this season. Big challenge for the secondary, but nothing they're not used to, right? That's oh, right. Listen, Slay is ready for that. You know, Slay, <laughs> this dude, he lives for these matchups. Sunday night, if he gets a chance to go up against C.D. Lamb, he certainly will embrace that. And even if they put him opposite Slay, James Bradbury is there. This will be a good test for the Eagles secondary. But if we get out to the quarterback, it really won't matter. So it's going to start up front as it usually does. This is a game that you get excited about. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's going to be pumped up for this game. I just can't wait to see this secondary flying around and making plays. I just don't think that the Cowboys can beat this team in the passing game. They're going to have to stop the run. And again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. Goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels or if you live in the Philadelphia area, Sunday, NBC 10 at 10 a.m. Great stuff there from the Eagles Game Plan crew. Thanks to them and thank you to all of you for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.